0: Okay, the reading today is from John chapter 8, verses 12 to 59, and can be found on page 985 of the Pew Bible. Then Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying about yourself, your testimony is not valid. Even if I testify about myself, Jesus replied, my testimony is valid because I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you don't know where I came from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. And if I do judge, my judgment is true because I am not alone. But I and the Father who sent me judge together. Even in your law it is written that the witness of two men is valid. I am the one who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. Then they asked him, Where is your Father? You know neither me nor my Father, Jesus answered. If you knew me, you would also know my Father. He spoke these words by the treasury while teaching in the temple complex, but no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Then he said to them again, I am going away. "'You will look for me, and you will die in your sin. "'Where I'm going, you cannot come.' "'So the Jews said again, "'He won't kill himself, will he, "'since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. "'You are from below,' he told them. "'I am from above. "'You are of this world. "'I am not of this world. "'Therefore I told you that you will die in your sins. "'For if you do not believe that I am he, "'you will die in your sins.' Who are you? they questioned. Precisely what I've been telling you from the very beginning, Jesus told them. I have many things to say and to judge about you, but the one who sent me is true, and what I've heard from him, these things I tell the world. They did not know he was speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own. But just as the Father taught me, I say these things. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, because I always do what pleases him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, "'If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. "'You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. "'We are descendants of Abraham,' they answered him." And we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? Jesus responded, I assure you, everyone who commits a sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. Therefore, if the son sets you free, you really will be free. I know you are descendants of Abraham, but you are trying to kill me because my word is not welcome among you. I speak what I have seen in the presence of the Father. Therefore, you do what you have heard from your father. Our father is Abraham, they replied. If you were Abraham's children, Jesus told them, you would do what Abraham did. But now you are trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You're doing what your father does. You weren't born of sexual immorality, they said, We have one father, God. Sorry, we weren't born of sexual immorality, they said. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me because I came from God and I am here. For I didn't come on my own, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? Because you cannot listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, And has not stood in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature, because he is a liar and the father of liars. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Who among you can convict me of sin? I tell the truth, why don't you believe me? The one who is from God listens to God's words. This is why you don't listen, because you are not from God. The Jews responded to him. Aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and have a demon? I do not have a demon, Jesus answered. On the contrary, I honour my father and you dishonour me. I do not seek my glory. The one who seeks, it also judges. I assure you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death, ever. The Jews said, now we know you have a demon. Abraham died and so did the prophets. You say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death, ever. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? Even the prophets died. Who do you pretend to be? If I glorify myself, Jesus answered, my glory is nothing. My father, you say about him, he is our God. He is the one who glorifies me. You've never known him, but I know him. If I were to say I don't know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham was overjoyed that he would see my day. He saw it and rejoiced. The Jews replied, You aren't fifty years old yet, and you've seen Abraham. Jesus said to them, I assure you, before Abraham was, I am. At that, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden and went out of the temple complex. This is the word of the Lord.
1: John's coming around with barbers. If you need one, just keep your hand raised. I uh, actually forgot a date for your diary. This Wednesday is parenting evening, isn't it? Is that right? This Wednesday, 7.30, here in church, uh, John and Collie Collins are leading a parenting evening. So if you're a parent here, I commend that to you Wednesday night at 7.30. Let me pray. Father, we, we gather this morning uh, surrounded uh, by rain outside, and we thank you for that. We thank you for providing rain to dry land. And we sit here this morning... Uh, as thirsty people longing to uh, hear you speak to us, uh, Lord, would you speak powerfully? Would you speak uh, with a, a sharpness and a boldness that we uh, need to hear this morning? And would you send us from this place, uh, marveling at you uh, and changed by you? i that set for Jesus' sake. Amen. You ever played that game, uh, Dinners for Eight? You have this sort of imaginary. Dinner party, and you can invite anybody you like to your home for dinner, dead or alive. Who would you have at your dinner parties for eight? It actually tells you a lot about you as to who you'd invite to your imaginary dinner party. Guess who I'd have at my dinner party? The Queen. (laughs) She's got to be there. Who else? Yeah. When I preached last night, I didn't have a boy band. I, I'd, have, I'd have a boy band member, so probably Robbie Williams. So we've got the Queen, we've got Robbie Williams. Who else? One of the Spice Girls? Yeah, probably a sporty Spice. Yep. I'd have Margaret Thatcher. Uh, I reckon I'd have John Stott. He's my sort of Christian hero. I reckon I'd have Gandhi. I'd love to meet him. I'd probably have Muhammad. I'd love to sort of just sit down with Muhammad and sort of say, hey, Who are you and what do you teach? And of course, who else would I have? I'd have Rachel. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have Rach. Um I'd have Jesus. Wouldn't you want to just sit down with Jesus Christ at your, at your dining table? Do you know that in that game, Jesus Christ is the most popular answer? That's what the surveys say. Dinners for Eight, the the game that we play, Jesus Christ is the most requested guest at a dinner party. I find that fascinating. And I'm guessing that people think that that Jesus Christ would be this nice, pleasant dinner guest who would talk about loving your neighbour forgiving one another, so not just seven times, but seven times 77 times. And Jesus Christ would talk about being kind and compassionate to people. And I'm guessing that people think, you know, that Jesus Christ would be that dinner party guest that you could place anywhere. It doesn't matter who you sit next to. Uh, They would leave thinking, oh, what a nice, pleasant chap he is. But the reality is that Jesus Christ would be... The most divisive, the most offensive, and the most inflammatory dinner party guest. Because he sits at your dinner table and the conversation turns to good works and to religion. Jesus Christ wouldn't just sit there in silence, would he? He would say, What are you talking about? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the way to God. As a conversation uh, turned to truth and you have this kind of trite nonsense like there is no such thing as absolute truth, it's all relative what's true for you is not true for me. Do you imagine Jesus Christ would just sit there and say nothing? What would Jesus say? I am the truth. <laughs> and as you sit there and you you know, you talk about all that trivial garbage that you talk about over dinner. Jesus Christ will look at you and say, Have you not got more important things to talk about? Let's talk about eternal things. So, if you're going to invite Jesus Christ to your house for dinner, expect fireworks. Because this man divides people. People either love him or hate him. They. Inspired by him, or they're inflamed by him, they're affirmed by him, or he offends people. So, in our passage today, he calls religious people children of the devil. That's pretty inflammatory, isn't it? He calls devout Jews slaves to sin. That's pretty inflammatory. He describes all people as walking in the darkness. And he makes the most outrageous claim that unless you believe in him, you will die in your sin and you're heading to hell. Do you still want Jesus Christ at your dinner party? We're in chapter 8, let's look at verse 12, then Jesus spoke to them again. It follows on from chapter 7, and we've left out verses 1 to 11 because the the earliest, most reliable manuscripts don't have that in them. And I'm sure that incident did happen. I'm sure Jesus met this woman. It just wasn't part of John's original gospel. So verse 12, Jesus spoke to them again. Now, do you remember where Jesus did at? Where is Jesus speaking to them? Can you remember from last week? In the temple, what's the feast? The feast of tabernacles. What's the feast of tabernacles about? Uh, two, two themes of the Feast of Tabernacles. One is water. Do you remember how they carried the jars of water and they're, they're looking back to God's provision of water in the wilderness and, and they're looking forward to the Holy Spirit coming where they have streams of living water deep within you. That, that's one of the themes. What's the second theme of the Feast of Tabernacles? Light. And so at this Feast of Tabernacles, they'd carry these, these four massive candles up to the temple. And the Jewish men would, would all dance. That They did dance, you know. They danced with little candles, little torches all night long. And the picture from the temple is that you've got these massive candles radiating light. You've got the people carrying light. And from the temple, so the glow of light would be over the whole of Jerusalem. And what are they looking back to? God's presence, the light in the wilderness, remember the, the, the cloud and the pillar of fire, God leading them, God protecting them, and they're looking forward to the prophets. Remember they said, the prophet said, we read every single Christmas, Isaiah chapter 9, every single Christmas, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And who's that light going to be? Wonderful counselor, almighty father, prince of peace, That's the context. And they're looking back to God's presence. They're looking forward to the one who's going to be the light. Being God's presence and protection. And then Jesus speaks. I am the light of the world. I am the presence of God. I am the one who illuminates your path. I am the one who leads you in darkness. It's me, a person. And anyone, doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from, whatever you've done, anyone who follows me, they will never walk in darkness anymore. Because the light will be within them. It's a stunning statement. That is a Jesus who speaks in the temple. But he inflames people. I've got three things this morning. Let's start with the entree. Uh, over the entree, as Jesus reveals his identity. What would, he say, what would Jesus say about himself? How would he introduce himself? How would he describe himself at your dinner party? It's got to be the most important question. Who is this man? Verse 13, the Pharisees said to him, you're testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. Who do you think you are, Jesus? And Jesus said, I know exactly who I am. My testimony is valid. I, I know where I came from and I know where I am going. Jesus would say to you I know where I've come from I'm I'm from God I've been sent by my heavenly father heaven was my home I'm not of this world he says he says that five times I know where I've come from verse 18 my father who sent me verse 23 you are from below I am from above you are of this world I'm not of this world What Jesus is saying there is that he has come from heaven. He left the luxury of heaven and stepped down into this earth as a human being. But he's from heaven. He's God. We sing it every single Christmas. He knows where he's from. He knows where he's going. Where is Jesus going? He's going back to heaven, isn't he? How is he going to get there? We'll look at verse 21. He said to the Jews again I'm going away I'm not sort of going around holidays he's not going to lastminute.com to Galilee he, where's he going I'm going away he says and you will look for me he's not saying they will look for Jesus because the Jews want him dead but they're still looking for the Messiah they're still waiting for this light to the Gentiles where is he going verse 21 where I'm going you cannot come Where's Jesus going? Turn over to verse 28. Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. I find that extraordinary. Jesus knew exactly where He was going. He was going to a cross, He was going to Calvary, He was going to bear the weight of the sins of the world on His shoulder. He knew that. Do You know, when he sits in, the, in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's sweating sort of blood, uh, tears of almost blood, it's like, "Not my will, but your will." He, he knew where he was going. He's going back to the Father via the cross. Let imagine at your dinner party for your entrees, you're serving these little, I don't know, these little roast lamb volons. And he goes, "Oh, that's a great visual aid. I am the Lamb of God. I'm going to the cross." Who is this man? He, he knows where he's from. He's from heaven. He knows where he's going because he is God. That's the most offensive thing in this chapter. Look at verse 24. Jesus told them that you will die in your sins For if you do not believe that I am. I am he. I am God. That's the phrase there, I am, the name for God himself or the end of the chapter when Jesus has claimed that he was there with Abraham. The Jews replied in verse 57, you aren't 50 years old yet and you've seen Abraham, and Jesus said to them, I assure you, before Abraham was, I am, I am God. It's a name for God himself, the forever eternal God. Let's just think about my dinner party. The queen is powerful but she's not God. Sporty Spice is successful, but she is not God. Gandhi is godly and kind. He is not God. Muhammad claims to be a prophet, he doesn't claim to be God. But one person around my dinner table would stand up and say, I am God. Listen to C.S. Lewis. I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really stupid thing or foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept that Jesus is a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That's the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He'd either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he's a poached egg. Or else he'll be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is a son of God, or else he's a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him God and Lord. But please... Don't come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He hasn't left that option open to us. What would Jesus say about himself? He'd say, I am God. Let's go to the main course. What would Jesus say about his opponents? Let me just do a flashing here. It's like a TV advert. Warning, if you are easily offended... Leave now. This is this is offensive. This is inflammatory. Who who are the opponents that he's talking about? He's not talking to atheists, is he? Who's he talking to? Jews. Jews who claim to believe. Did you see that down in verse thirty? As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, "If you continue my word, you really are my disciples. You'll know the truth. The truth will set you free." but they're not really his disciples because they just play the descendant card. We're descendants of Abraham. We've never been enslaved. How dare you say you'll become free? We don't need that. He's talking to religious people who like Jesus, but they don't really follow him. He's talking to religious people who know the scriptures, who do good works, who even pray, but they don't really believe Jesus is God. Now, what would Jesus say to his opponents? It is totally offensive. He would say, you don't really know God because you don't know me. Did you see that, down in verse 18 and 19? Jesus said, I'm the one who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. Quite profound, me and the Father, that intricate relationship between Jesus and God the Father but all they hear is this human, where is your father? Where is Joseph? And Jesus answers, you don't know me or my father. If you knew me, Jesus, you would also know my father, but because you don't know me, you don't know God. Isn't that offensive? Unless you recognize that Jesus is the son of God, unless you recognize the incarnation and the crucifixion, no matter how religious you are, you cannot claim to know God. He says you don't know God and you're actually slaves, you're not sons. That's offensive. Jesus says then in verse 31 that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. But these Jewish people says, we're not enslaved. How can you say you'll become free? And Jesus responds in verse 34. I assure you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. So you ran your dinner party table and Jesus said, okay, you claim not to be enslaved, okay, put your hand up. Put your hand up around this dinner party table if you have never sinned. Put your hand up if you've never been selfish, you've never been greedy, you've never been evil, you've never been envious, you've never uh, told a lie, put your hand up. And because no hands go up, he says, well, you're all slaves of sin, aren't you? You're taken captive by sin. That's what sin does. It entangles, entangles you. And you need to be set free. And that comes not through a concept, but through a person whose name is Jesus. And so he says to your opponents, you don't know God. You're slaves to sin. You hate God's word. Do you see that down in verse 37? I know you're descendants of Abraham, but you're trying to kill me because my word is not welcome among you. And they say, but our father's Abraham, verse 39. And Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, you would do what Abraham did. What did Abraham do? Do you remember? When God said to Abraham, you're going to have a child and you're 99 years old, what did Abraham do? He took God at his word. And when God said to Abraham, now kill that son Isaac, what did Abraham do? He obeyed God, took him at his word. And Jesus turns to these Jewish people and says, you claim to be the sons of Abraham, but you don't do what Abraham did because you just don't believe my word. You don't obey my word. It's a great litmus test. Do people believe the words of Jesus? That will show whether they are born again. And then Jesus gets more... By this time in my dinner party, I reckon I'll be hiding in the kitchen somewhere. And Jesus then gets even more offensive and sort of questions their paternity. Look at verses 38 and 39. They say our father is Abraham in verse 39. But what did Jesus say? Verse 42. If God were your father, you would love me because I came from God and I am here. I didn't come on my own, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? Because you cannot listen to my word. Here it is. You are of your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer, and he was a liar. That's pretty offensive, isn't it? Pleasant, palatable Jesus? I don't think so. He looks at these Jewish people and says, you're not father of Abraham, you're father of the devil, a child of the devil. You murder, you lie, that's because your father is the devil himself. And because of that, you will die in your sin, verse 21. I'm going away, you'll look for me, and you will die in your sin. Verse 24, you will die in your sins. Jesus basically said, if you don't follow me, you will you'll face hell. Let me ask you at this point. How are you feeling right now? If that is true, if Jesus is saying to all these religious Jewish people, you don't know God, you're slaves to sin, your father is the devil, and you're going to hell. How are you feeling? I imagine that amongst the congregation this morning, there there are people sitting there going, oh, that is just a bit too hard to hear. I hope there are people out here this morning who are thinking, wow, if that is true, all those people who do not yet know Jesus, I've got to tell them. Do you ever pray? I I love the way that, that Judy just... It's constantly talking about her faith to Jewish people. Do you ever pray for the hundreds of that? There's there's roughly 100,000 Jewish people in Sydney who are waiting for the Messiah. And Jesus has come already. Do you ever pray for them? Let's go to our dessert. We all like dessert, best, don't we? This is when it gets sweet. What does Jesus say to you? if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, what would he say to his followers? And I use that word deliberately, a follower, not just a believer, because Jesus says there's such, there's such thing as a thing as a spurious faith, a, a fickle faith, people who believe because they see the miracles, but they don't really believe. Verse 31, he says, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples or my followers. Down to Verse 47. The one who is from God listens to God's word. So if you're a follower here, you believe God's word, you keep Jesus' word, you obey Jesus' word, it dwells in your heart. If you're a follower of Jesus and he was at your dinner party, what would he say to you? Listen carefully. He'd say three glorious truths. He'd say, number one, you have the light of life. You'll never walk in darkness because you have the light of life. I live within you. You have the light of Jesus in your heart, in your mind, in your soul. It's that light which gives you direction in life, guidance through life, hope in life, peace in life. It's the light that will expose your sin but also show you the right way. I have given you the light of the world. I live in you. He'd say you have the light. He'd say you have freedom. The truth has set you free. Remember, truth is not a concept, it's a person. If you've got Jesus, you have freedom. You're not oppressed anymore. You're not confined anymore. You're free from your sin. You're free from the burdens of sin. You're free from the guilt of sin. You're free to live God's way. Have you ever thought about this? That that a prisoner in Silverwater Jail who believes in Jesus has more freedom than the, the millionaire who is sailing on the harbor in their millionaire yacht. Who doesn't follow Jesus? Freedom isn't about things or possessions. Freedom is found in a person. And if you know Jesus, you've been set free. So he said, if, if you follow me, you have the light living in you. You have freedom and you have life. Eternal life. Verse 52. If anyone keeps my words, he will never taste death. Ever. It's that kind of, you know, you know, how kids sort of emphasize things? Really. Ever. Jesus is saying, you won't die. Of course you'll die physically, but, but you won't die spiritually ever. Again, let's see us Lewis have a word. He says this in the last battle in Narnia. The things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful, I cannot write about them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories, and we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one and the great story that no one on earth has read which goes on forever and ever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. What's Jesus saying to you? You will never die. Oh death, where is your sting? So how are you feeling now? It's that tense, isn't it? You yourself are just amazed. I've got life. I've got freedom. I've got the light living in me. But you look around at your dinner guests, the people that you love. Don't you want them to have that? Light, freedom, and life? How do they get it? He's sitting there right at your dinner table. His name is Jesus. Do you know that you could have a dinner party this week? and you can invite Jesus you did a party couldn't you just invite some friends around and why not just open up Mark's gospel and just read a bit about Jesus let Jesus speak but please please don't expect he'd be the nice pleasant chap saying nice pleasant things he is offensive he is inflammatory And that's because he's God and he longs for people to have light and life and freedom. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the the light that you shine into our dark lives and for the the way that you illuminate our path and you give us guidance and direction and hope and peace, we thank you, Father, for the freedom that you bring us—freedom from sin, freedom from pain, freedom from guilt, freedom to serve you without fear—and we thank you, Father, for the life that you assure us. And we stop now, and in the quietness of our own hearts, we we think about people that, who we know and love. Whether they're religious or not religious, who do not yet know Jesus. Lord, please shine your light into their dark lives. For Jesus' sake.